Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. All right, we're going to continue with the book of Jude this morning, and I, uh, I, sh- I sure hope you can feel what we feel, which is like this pursuit God has over our life this morning. This conversation seems to fit so perfectly for where we are today, evidenced by the question that Pastor Neil asked as he transitioned out of worship to raise both hands for those of you who seem to be in a place of maybe some desperation. I think the conversation, the question that we're going to ask today is so fitting, perfect, just as we get into um, the Christmas season. So for for the very last time, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning as we read our primary text, and those of you who are with us for the first time this morning, just so you know, we won't stand and, and uh, every time we read from God's word, but we do so on the first uh, primary text because it just reminds us that this is God's holy word. If you don't have a Bible and you'd want a Bible, we have some out on the tabletops. They're free. For those of you who are here and don't have a Bible, just be sure to grab the one in English if that's what you need, or Spanish. By the way, welcome to those who are joining us online and those who are listening online in Spanish. Welcome to all of you. Thanks for being um, with us. We're going to read out of the book of Jude. I know the slide says 20 through 25, but we're just going to read 20 through 23 today. So um, verse 20 through 23 reads like this. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Let's pray. Father, this morning we, uh, we've gathered together around you to, to worship you, to lift our hands and worship you. We acknowledge that we need you. So, Father, today, as we discuss your word, we pray that you would speak to us in a way that we would be more than certain that that is you speaking to me. God, I pray you would open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, God, and thank you for the privilege we have to gather together this morning and to, uh, to worship you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray together. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, I started by informing you that this Generation Z has a complicated relationship with their vehicles, right? It is estimated that Gen Z, born 1997 to about 2013 or so, this generation, it takes about eight warning signs on their vehicle dashboard before they'll schedule any kind of maintenance at all. Um, and so I just wanted to remind you, go ahead and put this dashboard up. That's, that's, about, that's like the vehicle, if you're borrowing a Gen Z's car, it's going to probably look something like this. But just, just on behalf of Gen Z, just so you know, this generation is also most passionate about justice. They're most passionate about mission, and they are very passionate about taking action. So I want you to know, Gen Z, I'm sorry if I offended you last week, but we need you here at Cedar Valley to help us lead the way. We need the generation who is passionate about justice and mission and action for sure. 
And there's a great lesson we can learn from you this morning because when it comes to the spiritual dashboard of all of our lives, here's what it can look like sometimes. So from left to right a little bit, if you'll just kind of play along with me here, we have, you know, we can have a lack of joy, right? Lack of community. Them lips represent bad relationships, right? Wrong relationships, or low prayer, low Bible. I'm just saying, maybe you're here today and, and, and when it comes to your spiritual life, the dashboard of your spiritual life, some of these warning signs are maybe on today. Maybe they've been on for a while. Some of you, you'd say that, that's been on. The, the no Bible reading, that light's been on in my life for some years now. Maybe the no prayer light has been on in your life for a while. The no community, the no generosity, the helping of other people, that, that's not taking place in my life. And, and that... that that dashboard helped us understand that there really is a sense of urgency, right? That we need to contend for, uh, for our faith. So Jude chapter, there's only one chapter in Jude. And so when it gets to verse 17 and 18, it's really like this transitional verse from the why of Jude to the how of, of Jude. So I'm going to read it in two translations. I'm going to first read it in the New Living Translation. And then I'm going to read it in the message Translation. So just listen for a moment as I read this transition from the why to the how. He's kind of recapping where we just were. So he says, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires these people are the ones who are creating division among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. Two things that really stood out to me was division. I've been a part of church a really long time, ever since I was born. I'm a pew baby. I was raised in the church. And because I was raised in the church, I have so many memories, more than I'm happy to, to say, of division within the church, quarrels amongst godly people. This has happened over and over and over again. The second word is people who, whose God's spirit is not within them, right? These behaviors that take place within the church. Now, let's look at it in the message. I have this up on the screen. You, you can follow me here. It says, but remember, dear friends, that the apostles of our master, Jesus Christ, told us this would happen. In the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. Keep in mind, this letter is to believers. This letter is to the Christians, to the church, right? Uh, these people who don't take these things seriously anymore, they treat them like a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lusts. These are the ones who split churches thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. And just reading these few verses, you can hopefully get back into that place that we were last Sunday, if you were here, into that sense of urgency that Jude is writing from, right? This letter written to believers everywhere. He's talking about people who have faith in Jesus but have lost their way. This would make sense if the letter was written to people outside of the church. However, this letter is written to people within the church. So, when it comes to the idea of the worms that we talked about, when it comes to the idea of these people who wiggle their way into your life so that they can take control, listen, I don't mean to offend anybody, but we know that this is a reality that takes place, right? And, and listen, for you and for me, 
whenever we step outside of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our life, this can become us as well, right? We all have a sinful nature, and when we allow that sinful nature to kind of lead the way of our life, bad things happen as a result of that. The question we asked last week was, what's the urgency? And we realized that the urgency was really eternity. Remember, eternity necessitates urgency, right? It demands urgency, and eternity is important. It's why we live. Eternity is forever with Jesus. That, that's what's at stake here. So if God's word is for us and we believe God's word is for us, now we believe that this is God speaking to us, this sense of urgency. It's, a, it's an appeal to our hearts, right? This, there's this pursuit from God to mankind. There's a pursuit from God to all of humanity. He is pursuing you. God is pursuing you this morning. We talked about the word contend, and this word contend from the original language, from the Greek, means agony, right? To agonize, to contend, uh, means to struggle for, right? I, I showed you a picture yesterday, and forgive me, I, I used the same picture, so don't pay attention to the logo on the thing. But, but it, this idea of to contend, is, is, it comes from the, from the athletic arena, the wrestling mat. So when you contend for something, you take that to the mat, you agonize over it, you struggle for it, you fight for it. That's the place you go to struggle. That's that word contend. Listen, Pastor Neil came up and just a few minutes ago and asked, listen, raise both your hands if you're in this room and you have some sense of desperation, like you're, you're holding on. Half the people standing in this room lifted both of their hands the question that we're asking this morning that is for sure the right question to ask is how do I contend I understand the why I understand the why but but the question really is how do I actually contend for the faith that's a great question because this week we look at Jude 20 and 21 and here's where Jude explains how to contend for the faith it's an inward work that the Holy Spirit does within us that has an outward expression in our actions. It's kind of twofold. The work God does in us through Christ is seen by the way we treat other people. Contending for our faith is both inward and outward. And those are two key words that I need you to remember today. That when we contend for our faith, when we talk about contending for our faith, it's two part. It's both and, not one or the other. It's both an inward work and an outward work. It's what God does inside of me. It's my own personal development. And it's an outside expression as well, how I treat other people. It's both. It's both. So the first one is inward. Jude, verse 20, says this. But you, everybody say me. Because this letter is for us. But you, dear friends, must build each other up. Another translation says, build up yourselves in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are responsible for our own spiritual growth. You and I are responsible. We bear the responsibility to grow ourselves spiritually. We can't wait for this growth to happen or expect other people to make us grow. So these are, you know, simple things to do. This is a prayer life, right? Reading the Bible frequently, regularly. Godly community. You guys know these things. 
We're believers. Jude's writing this letter to believers. You know that prayer is vital to, a li- to the life of a Christian. You know that reading the Bible is vital to the life of a Christian. You know that godly community is critical. It's crucial. They say we're the blend of the five people who have most influence on us. It's critical that we're in godly community. It's also very important that we allow accountability from other people to ourselves so that we can grow spiritually. It's like the dashboard and it's saying maintenance required. The inward work is when you take time to do the maintenance required. I'm not okay with that warning sign being on. I need to start again. It's been a while. Longer than I expected, I, I need some maintenance in my spiritual life. We need to take action. Learn from Gen Z. Take action. Do something about it. At our church, we say nobody, nobody walks alone. The NLT translation said to build each other up. I like how we have kind of both going. An inward work is building my brother up, but also building myself up. At Cedar Valley, we say nobody walks alone. We build each other up, just like we did. Pastor said, go find somebody with their hands lifted and pray over them. For you, that might have been a little uncomfortable, but that's truly the work of the church together. That's building your brother up. When you come and lay a hand on somebody, it's encouraging to them. That might be the thing they need. God will use you. God will take the words that are coming out of your mouth to bring life to that person who had their hands lifted. That's the work of building each other up. We're stronger together. It's important that we're in an environment that's conducive to growth. That's a wise move for you. But here's the bottom line is people can't make you grow. People can't make me grow. That's something I need to do. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 I love what it says here. It says, so I say, this is Paul writing, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. The NIV says, let the Holy Spirit or walk with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Can I remind you that if you don't have the Holy Spirit walking with you, you will fall victim to your sinful nature. Yes, You understand this, that if you take the spirit out of you, you too can make horrible decisions. You're not above it, right? Nobody is exempt from this stuff. So our focus is really on the Holy Spirit leading, right? This picture of the Holy Spirit walking with me. Picture the Holy Spirit walking with you, not not way out ahead of you, not way behind you, no, right beside you, walking with me. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead your life. Listen, not not just the spiritual aspect of our life, but we can divide our lives up into many categories. We've got our work life, our family life, our financial life, our entertainment life. We have all these categories in our life. And the, the deep desire that God has for you is that he would lead every single category of your life. 
that he wouldn't just be put on the, finance, the, the, the faith side of your life, but every category, everything that you're a part of, he wants to lead you in that. That's the kind of relationship he wants because when he is in you, he helps you overcome sinful desires. Living an uncompromised Christian life is one of the greatest ways to contend for the faith. And that's absolutely impossible to do it in our own strength. Walking with the Spirit means that we're listening to the Spirit and that we're obeying the Spirit. Listening to the Spirit, because He speaks. How many of y'all believe that God still speaks? But also obeying the Spirit, that when He speaks, I respond in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And listen, this, church is, this letter is written to, to the church, to, to believers. You know what it feels like when God speaks to you. And you know what it feels like when he speaks and we don't respond in obedience for whatever reason. His pursuit for you today, his call for you today is to hear his voice and to respond to his voice. Even if it requires courage. Even if it requires some type of grit or strength. Respond in obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know how far back you go in church, but I, like I said, I go far back. So listen. Excuse me for a minute, but where's all my seniors? Not in high school. Where's all my seniors in the house? And you've been, if you've been in church for like 30 years or longer, raise your hand. Just, just bear with us for a moment. If you've been in church, okay. I, I, there's a chorus we used to sing way back in the day. I'd be shocked. I hope there's some people that know this song. It's a chorus. It's sung in English. I know, northern New Mexico, we sang English choruses. Yes. Yes, we did. So here's the chorus. Let's see if you know it. Not by might, nor by power, but by the... Y'all go way back, too. We might just have a night where we just throw it way back to choruses. Would you come if we did that? Raise your hand if you'd come. Keep your hand lifted if you say, and I should lead that night. <laughs> JJ got here this morning, and I asked him, do you know this song? And he's like, I don't know that song, bro. He don't go far, as, bar, as far back as I do, and I look like him, I can get through the night. <laughs> Let's sing it together. One, not by my, nor by power, but by the Spirit. You're not singing with confidence at all, at all, at all, at all. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. If you're going to sing, sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Oh, y'all just want to sing? Okay, 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 you get it. Yes, yes. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. Not by whose might, your might. Not by your power, but by the Spirit. Question for the Christian in the room. Is the Spirit leading your life? If you're in the room and you say, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer, I'm curious, I came because someone invited me, listen to me. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that wants to live inside of you. That's the power of the gospel message. God sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you, for us. 
Jude 1.21 says, And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. That's the urgency. It's about eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. That word await in the Greek is to expect or to welcome. So we expect We expect God to come back again. We welcome the Spirit of God to come back for His church, right? We keep the blessed hope of Jesus' soon return alive within our hearts. I know we've been talking about it for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. God's coming back. God's coming back. Our job as we contend for the faith is to keep the hope, the blessed hope of Jesus Christ's return for His church alive within our hearts. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Our job is to keep that alive within our hearts. It's the work that God does within us. We just sang, I pulled out my pen and I said, we we just sang, we just sang, rain and wind came, but I am safe with you. Remember we, we just sang that? I tell you, when you sing worship songs, you learn theology. You learn about God. Here's the the thing is that we just read, in this way you will keep yourself safe in God's love. That's the central focus of this verse. And safe in God's love doesn't mean there's no rain and no wind. Safe in God's love that when there is rain and when there is wind, I'm still safe with God. That mat is really like God's big old hand. When you contend, you go to the center of his hand. You are safe. This is not necessarily physical safety. This is eternal safety. Wind will come. Wind will come. Rain will fall. If you're a Christian in the house and you've experienced rain and wind in your life, raise your hand. Rain comes. The wind blows. We're not exempt from any of that. But we're safe in God's hand. Our job is to contend, to go back to the mat, to struggle, to agonize over this thing. But we know that it's true. We know that God's word is true. We know that there's a promise that one day Jesus Christ will come back for his church. That's the sense of urgency that we live with. So an inward work, God does that in me. I'm responsible for my spiritual growth. Say, I'm responsible for my spiritual growth and development. But secondly, not either or, but secondly, it is an outward work. Jude one twenty two says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Remember, this letter is for the church. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. 50% of our church raised their hand this morning. I'm not saying your faith was wavering, but it potentially could be wavering. You could be at that point where you're like, I'm not too sure about this thing. God, are you sure? God, are you sure? I, I want to walk away from this thing. Pastor Neil always prays in the morning for the last timers. Last timers, meaning those who would say, this is my last time, my last ditch effort to get God's attention, or I'm out this piece. I'm out. I'm exhausted. I'm frustrated. I can't do this again. We must show mercy, compassion to those whose faith is is wavering. And we don't want to be that church. We will not be that church who all they do is point fingers of judgment at people. You walk into this church and depending on how you look and how you smell and what your story is and what your record looks like, we just point a big finger at you and just point judgment over your life. We will never be that church. 
We're not called to be that church. We're called to be a church who shows mercy and compassion to those whose faith is wavering. We live our life on a mission. We've received mercy. We've been snatched from hell. Now we want to help other people receive mercy, get snatched from hell. You know this, we ain't no museum. Cedar Valley, as beautiful as it is, this is not a museum. You know what it is. It's a hospital. This place is a hospital. The beauty of this hospital is that we expect complications. We expect misunderstanding. We expect brokenness. We expect suffering. We expect people learning how to walk again. We expect people helping people. You were in ICU 15 years ago. Now you're a nurse on this ward. That's what we do. We are people building up people. People building up people. No matter how bad a person is, no matter how terrible their doctrine is, we don't judge. We don't point fingers, fingers at them. We contend. We contend for the faith. It's the ultimate fight. This word compassion means watching over someone, helping them, pulling them up. Say it with me. Nobody... And I just want to stop for a moment. Bear with me for a minute. We love everybody, no matter how terrible their doctrine is, no matter what they did, yes. But some people have hurt us. Abuse, other things, maybe your children, some, something. Someone has done something within the church to hurt you, to violate you. And that's a hard conversation to say, how am I to to just show compassion and mercy and love them where they're at. This is the beauty of God's love and wrath, that judgment, which is God's ju judgment, not our judgment, can be very comforting because everyone will face God as a judge. And the things that people have done to hurt us, when that judgment takes place, it's vindication. It's vindication. Listen, if you're in this room and you're hurting because of the decisions that somebody else has made over your life, I just want you to know God has your back. And there will be vindication for you someday. Jude one twenty three says, rescue others by snatching them. I love that word snatching. It's got a little action to it, right? It's not going to be no easy work. Some of this is dirty work, right? Snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Let me read that same thing out of the NIV. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy. <laughs> At the bottom of my Bible, this isn't even like commentary stuff. Everyone has access to this information. It says that they, you know, the writers believe that there's two categories of people, period. Those who are being rescued and those who are being snatched. No, those who are being snatched from hell and those, the others who are being shown mercy. That's it, which is kind of accurate. The life of a Christian, you're like in a battle, about to start a battle, coming out of a battle. The wind blew. It's about to blow or it just is blowing. That's like why we need each other. This reality of living life together says to others, show mercy mixed with fear, which means keep your guard up. When you're going to do some work with somebody who ain't right, don't let them influence you. That's Booker, I know it. 
when you're going to go do the dirty work and help people, snatch people, he's saying guard your heart. Don't be misled. Keep your guard up, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. There's a way to love someone into a right relationship with God. There's a way. There's a wrong way too. Force, shame, guilt, that never, ever works. So how we love and when we love, it proves that we genuinely care about our brothers and sisters who are struggling. It's very critical that how we say the things we say have lots of mercy and compassion in our actions. So remember this letter is for believers, those in the church that are drifting and being misled. Consider with me for just a moment a parent of a high school kid. This young kid has every desire within them to want to serve God, to pursue the, the calling that God has on their life. But because they're in high school and because they're influenced easily by other people, they start to be misled just a little bit. Contending for this child looks like sitting them down and saying, hey, listen to me, something ain't right. I sense something ain't right. I'm here for you. I love you. God loves you. Is there something I can do? Can I listen? Can I help you? Can I love you? Is everything okay? That's contending. It's not, what are you up to? You better tell me or I'm going to find out. When I find out, boy, you know what's going to happen to you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Can I ask you a question, church? Who's in your life? Maybe in your life group, maybe someone who serves alongside of you, and you just know they ain't right. Something's going on with them. Right here within the church, you see them struggling. You see it on their face. You can sense it when they're around. You see them struggling. You know they're drifting, maybe drifting into some type of depression, sadness, brokenness, anger, frustration, something else. How are, we, how are you and I? How are we going to contend for them? How are we going to not be okay with it? Hey, can I, listen, man, I just want you to know I love you. I'm here for you. If there's something I can do to help you, I just want you to know I, I'm here. I care about you. God loves you. If there's something I can do. Because contending for the faith is both an inward and an outward work that God does. All right, so I'm going to share the big so what. And just so you know, the goal of a big so what is to have it be some type of sticky so that throughout the week when the winds blow and the rain falls, you remember what we talked about because you'll remember likely nothing that I said. But you'll remember this because we want you to remember this. So it's cheesy, but it's going to help paint this picture. All right? And I'm a little embarrassed because I'm going to demonstrate for myself what this is. So the big so what? Okay, if you, if you weren't paying attention, listen real quick. Contending for the faith is like a belly button. <laughs> Here's how. I know it's, it's, it's dumb, but it's supposed to be dumb. You'll remember this. Because did you know that 85% of people have innies? 
I know, it's weird, right? Any. Only 10% of people have Audis. Seriously, raise your hand if you have an Audi. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. If I told you I had an any, would you believe me? However, 5% of people have maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. But here's the thing. When it comes to this thing, contending, it's both. Any and an Audi. You'll thank me on Wednesday when it rains. You'll thank me on Friday when you get a call and everything inside of you wants to just explode. Think belly button. Think belly button. Just think belly button. It's my own responsibility to grow myself spiritually. That's my job. But I also have a responsibility for other people, to contend for other people. In the airplane, they say, you know, in case of emergency, put your mask on first and then help other people. It's not exactly like that in the church. There's actually something really beautiful that happens within your own heart, very transformative when you help the needs of other people while you yourself help, help have some need. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, and he's pursuing you today. He wants to work within you. And there's also a pull within this thing that we pursue other people, that we contend for other people. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet right here where you're at. And we're going to pray a prayer that Jude actually prayed to wrap up this, this letter. But before we do that, if the prayer team will make their way forward. Listen, I want to pray for those who are in the room today who would say, man, that, that, I, I've got to get back for contending for myself. For myself. I've got to take responsibility for myself, for my spiritual walk. For my, I've drifted away. I've drifted away. I've drifted far from God further than I ever expected to be. I've, I've drifted away from God. Young adults, high schoolers, maybe you say, I've drifted. I've drifted away. Not completely gone, but I'm drifting. I can feel God's pursuit over my life this morning. I can feel God's pursuit over my life this morning. I can feel him calling my name. I can hear him calling my name. I can sense it inside of me that God is calling me back. God is calling me back. God is calling me back. If you're in the room this morning, you say, I can feel God calling me back. Calling me to come closer to him. If that's you, would you just step out of your seat and come forward so I can pray with you? Come on, do so quickly. Do so quickly. If that's anybody in the room, say, I got to contend. I got to contend for this thing. I got to contend for this thing. I know I do. I can feel him. I can sense him. Come on down, brother. Come on, bro. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Second one is for those who are here. You say, I know people in this church. I know people. I've been around these people for a long time. And I know something's not right, but I haven't done anything. God, I need you to help me learn to contend for people again. I need you to help my heart be soft for people again. I need this urgency to be alive in me again. It used to be alive in me. I want it to be alive in me again. God, would you wake that up inside of me? I want to contend for people more. I want to be aware of this contending for people more and more and more. If that's you, would you step out of your seat right now? Come on. 
God, help me. I want to build other people up. I want to build other people up. I want to hear your voice and respond in obedience. Come on. Come on, if that's you, God, soften my heart up again. Soften my heart up again for people, for people, for people. Take the judgment out of my heart. Take that, that harshness out of my heart. Take that apathy out of my heart. I want to contend for people. I want to contend for people. I want to contend for people. Father, this morning, God, we want you. We need you. Thank you for your pursuit over our life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us and you guide us and you walk with us. We love you so much, God. Thank you for loving us so much. We ask you, God, to give us a heart for people. A heart for people, God. Love, compassion, empathy, God. Help us to love people, to be aware of, of the people around us who are hurting and struggling, God, that we would hear your voice and obey your voice, God. Help us identify those people in our life, Jesus. Give us favor with them, God. Help us as we have this conversation with them, God. May everything we do point people to you, Jesus. May everything we do point people to you, Jesus. Jude finishes this letter, and I've got this on the screen. I want to, we're going to read this all together. This is kind of like his big wrap-up. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I feel like this was the most appropriate way to finish our time here together. The first couple verses is a recap of what we just talked about, but then the bottom verse is a prayer. It's a prayer for the church, so let's read this all together. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our Master Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks to high heaven. And now to him who can keep you on your feet, standing tall in his bright presence, fresh and celebrating to our one God, our only Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Master, be glory, majesty, strength, and rule before all time and now and to the end of all time. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. You got to know this. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. He will help you overcome sin in your life. Amen. God bless you.